Welcome to the Horse Talk Show. You never heard of a talking horse? With your host, Louisa Barton. I want to be a famous rider. Presented by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. Truth is, I help horses with people problems. Now here's the Brit with the bit, Louisa Barton! Yeah, baby! <laughs> Welcome to the Horse Talk Show, presented by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. I'm Louisa Barton in the studio with my co-host, Paulette Stout. She's a top equestrian, and we're broadcasting live from the horse capital of the world, Ocala, Marion County, Florida. Going to start out with some news. Uh, this week, the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission voted to approve the partial Lasix phase-out proposal advanced by its Equine Drug Research Council. That was reported by uh, DRF.com. The plan calls for the elimination of race day Lasix in all two-year-old races in 2020 and extends the ban to all stakes races in 2021. I wonder why. Horses affect well because there's a lot of things changing in, in horse racing in a really, really big way. Uh, and and, and it's a, there's a big move to change things. And actually, we're going to be talking to Gary Stevens in the next segment, Hall of Fame jockey, about some of the reforms and things that are being suggested. But um, for horse racing to uh, be successful and to get the public's approval, mm -hmm. they're going to have to do some reform and overhaul but everything. Lasix is one of the most safest drugs you could have. I mean, within six hours, it's not acting, and it only eliminates water. Well, I think the reason that, one of the reasons that they, they want to do it is, obviously, it does dehydrate horses, mm -hmm. and um, they don't feel like, I guess, that in conjunction with racing is fair on the horse. And then secondly, it also disguises other medications. That or, or so they think, them. but yes, it doesn't exactly. seem to so be there's, I think way. there's a couple of reasons that they're talking about that, and um, I don't think it's a bad move. I think it puts a better light on But what on will you do about bleeders? Well, I think that bleeders are either going to have to be treated with some other medication, or they're going to have to not run if they're bleeding. I don't know how else you would get around that. It's pretty good hard question for because a, a lot of racehorses bleed, and it's just one of those things. It's not something that's devastating to them, but they do. And Lasix was one of the only things that helped prevent it. It's true. I don't know how that'll be handled. Stormy Liberal, the reigning male turf champion who won back-to-back -back Breeders' Cup turf sprints in 2017 and 18, has been moved out of Peter Miller's barn. Actually, Peter Miller's in our open. I'm interviewing him uh, in the open of the show, uh, is actually being moved out um, after the trainer and his veterinarian recommended retirement. The seven-year-old gelding by Stormy Atlantic is winless in seven starts this year and most recently eighth in the 2019 um, Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint to stablemate Belvoir Bay, um, beaten actually four and a half lengths. Stormy Liberal was actually claimed by Miller on behalf of Harturian in 2016 for $40,000. And um, Stormy Liberal being taken out of his barn and is actually being sent to Ocala. Mm. Is actually coming to David Scanlon's farm for a complete evaluation before they make any decisions on um, continuing. Uh, Peter Miller did make it known that this was not his decision and he was not pleased about Stormy Liberal um, being uh, removed from his care. So to the top farm here in Florida, one of the top farms rather, uh, Stormy Liberal will be 
give him a professional evaluation and then they'll decide if he is to be retired the goal is for him to go to old friends if they accept him so we certainly hope that happens oh, that's kind of cool. uh, that would be a lovely place for him to go so mm -hmm. um, uh, pretty exciting stuff. The Bromont uh, CCI four-star three-day event held um, August 13 to 16 in Bromont has been named as a leg of the 2020 FEI Eventing Nations Cup Series. I don't know why, but every time I hear the word Bromont, I think about John Holling streaking like Bigfoot across the screen. I can't even hear the word Bromont anymore without going. Mm. Bromont is just one of nine well, eventing. Probably what he wanted to have that kind of effect, right? Well, it has because now everybody streaks when they win Bromont. Bromont is just one of nine Eventing Nation Cups events listed on the FEI calendar, including the finale at Bokello the, in the Netherlands. So, um, be interesting. Beach racing could be destined for British shores if the fucking mm -hmm. ham. That's terrible. What did you say? Fucking ham. And how do you spell that? FA. F-A-K-E-N-H-A-M. And that's uh, and that's true and that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> oh, no, I've never been there. Fackenham. Probably Fackenham. Because anything that's got ham on the end in England is pronounced um like Buckingham. Oh. So this oh, is Fackenham. Uh, so I'm it's thinking Buckingham. it's <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Fackenham is a place in England. <laughs> Oh dear. Anyway, if the clerk of courts there, David Hunter, can garner enough support for a latent inspired event in, North in Norfolk. No, in Norfolk. And yes, it really is Norfolk. <laughs> With some new market trainers already showing an interest in the idea, the four mile long sandy beach has been mooted as a possible venue for an idea that was hatched when Hunter paid a visit to Ireland and saw the Leighton's annual race day on the beach in September. So now they think that they might have this at Holcombe, which is 12 miles north of Fackenham. <laughs> it's already a regular way. <laughs> what can you do? You can't unsay it, can you? I can't. You can't make it up either. I can't unsay it. But I it. think you picked that out. <laughs> on purpose didn't you <laughs> so to get us out of the giggles um unfortunately we have a sad story um to wrap up the news segment and that is another case of a horse being slaughtered um taken from somebody's property and then found um with all the meat removed terribly terribly sad heartbreaking for the people connected um to the horse what can we do about this i don't know i, don't I know, can but we need to we need to make this spread we need to talk about it and make sure that you even with facebook make sure that you share make sure that you talk about it make sure that you um they said something about you know even putting a dog in your barn i don't have dogs but putting a dog in your barn will also help to deter some of these people you know what i would say and, and actually it's something i'm in it i was going to do anyway i was going to call the electric company ask them to come and put another electric pole in my field and that's another i thing. think an enormous floodlight mm -hmm. and a camera mm -hmm. pointing at your field if your mm -hmm. horses are turned mm -hmm. out or a camera mm -hmm. in your barn mm -hmm. and in, if your horses are turned out in a field as much floodlighting as possible 
because that's a deterrent. Mm. And then I say put padlocks on all your gates because, you know, it's very hard to do it on Listen. site. It's time consuming. You've got to be able to remove the right, holes. Right. Now, of course, you can cut a hole in a fence. That's what they're doing is they're um, cutting holes in the that's fence and they're more taking difficult them. If you have yeah. top board and, and yeah. no climb wire, because yeah. you've then got to get the board off and cut the wire. Right. That's quite time consuming. Snipping a barbed wire, which most people don't have for their horses anyway, right. is pretty easy. Right. You know, but obviously, <clears throat> you know, the person's got to get through the fence. And if your whole field is really well floodlit, then it's going to be a deterrent. Yeah. And obviously, and dogs, yes, and obviously thing. make it as difficult as possible um, mm -hmm. to get to the horse. So, you know, a padlock is going to help. It's it, going to, you don't want the gate open where they can just leave them out. But I don't think people realize that this black market horse meat has been around a long time. And you're, and it seems like we see this, this slaughtering and then it disappears if they're caught. But it seems to be, it's not going to go away. That's the problem yeah. because there's different ethnic groups that want the horse meat. And they're, the, the last thing I read was the meat's going between seven and $45 a pound. And even when I knew about this way back in 2010, when there was a time that they were slaughtering again, it was 20 to $40 a pound. That's crazy. Yeah, and they'll go into your barn. So. Cameras, lots of cameras, monitor mm -hmm. cameras, because the, the, the best thing to do is to catch these people. And the best way to catch them is to get them identified, to share it on social media. And, and if we can catch them on camera, hopefully we can we can get that out and we can find out who it is and at least stop. And the, and the other thing, I mean, if you see anybody driving around that isn't just isn't normal mm -hmm. or they're looking or they're slow or whatever, report them. I mean, I'd rather have it reported yes. than having something happen. Got to wrap it up. Um, We'll be back in just a few minutes. We're going to have Hall of Famer Gary Stevens on the phone, and we're going to talk about racing reform and riding like they do in England. British whips. Back with you in just a few minutes on the Horse Talk Show. Stay with us.
same jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to the Horse Talk Show. Welcome back to the Horse Talk Show, presented this hour by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. Thank you, Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor. I'm your host, Louisa Barton, in the studio with me. I have co-host Paulette Stout. And joining us by phone, it is certainly an absolute honor to have uh, now retired Hall of Fame jockey, uh, Gary Stevens, but he is certainly not retired from the racing world uh, and has been lately offering a lot of uh, contribution to some of the ideas that have come up to help reform and overhaul horse racing and to make it certainly something that is more appealing to the general public and to make it safer for the horses and all of the people involved in it. So I'm thrilled to introduce him back on the show. Gary Stevens, it's lovely to have you with us. Uh, it's great to be on and uh, reform uh, is taking place and hope it uh, happens sooner than later and, and the ball is rolling and I think we've got some great uh, people supporting some great things. We sure do. I have my We Support Horse Racing bracelet on and make sure every time I run into uh, anybody uh, anybody in the racehorse world, I pass them on. So uh, we're certainly doing our very best to, uh, to show the true face. And having been behind the scenes so much myself, um, a lot of times when I see armchair social media, um, I get a little irritated because I've seen the, the, the real side, the side that we love. And, um, and it's sometimes it's quite disappointing, you know, to, to see. Uh, but we certainly do want to see changes. And one of the things I noticed the other day was your um, comments about um, the whip rules in, in England. And uh, I'd like to chat a little bit about that. But the first thing I'd like to ask you is if, if you were racing, would you race without a whip? No. Short and sweet, no. Yes, exactly. I've, uh, I've talked to my older brother Scott, who's still active, uh, he rides Turf Paradise, uh, still has a uh, a great fan base and, and still very active. And you know, he's I've I've looked to him. Everybody needs a coach, and when you're at the highest level, it's tough to find people that can criticize and and uh, help you with mistakes that you have made. And Scott was always that guy that I went to right until the end. Uh, he would criticize me openly on rides and mistakes I'd made. And and I, I talked to him at length the other day and he said, I will not go out and ride uh, without a whip uh, or a riding crop. I prefer to call it because I don't like the term whip. We, mm -hmm. You know, I never felt like I was whipping them, uh, you know, for the latter part of my career. It was used as a tool, the riding crop was, just like any other piece of equipment uh, from blinkers to anything else to uh, make a horse go forward and, and, and at least keep their attention. And it, it's absurd to me and dangerous. And, and I think uh, it's opening up a big can of worms, worms for uh, the, the, the betters. Um, you know, if, if you're out there with no tool to make a horse go forward, uh, they're going to be so critical about, oh, that guy didn't like, Gary Stevens didn't let this horse yeah. run or this guy didn't. Right. Um, and there may be some other things. They better have some, if that happens, they better have some uh, metal detectors before every jock leaves the jock's room because, you know, if they're not policing things just right, I, I think it's opening up a can of worms. And it's a safety device as well as uh, for, for not only the horse, but the equine itself. So, no, I would not 
go out and ride a race. Yes, absolutely. And and you know, even to put that on the on the horse perspective side, I mean, without one. Uh, more accidents are likely to to happen you know with with horses and then you're putting the horse at risk and the rider as well so then you you've kind of got that can of worms to look at as well because you know it's far more dangerous um, to be on a racehorse in those situations without one um, and then that could be a lot of added uh, disasters on top uh, what, what do the British do that you prefer? Is it the number of times they're allowed to use the crop? Uh, or is it the manner that they use the crop in? Well, uh, both, a combination. Uh, they're limited to, I believe it's uh, uh, six strikes uh, with the whip. And you're not allowed to have your, uh, your hand come up above your shoulder. Horse must be struck in the rump, not in the flanks, not in the belly, not in the manner, not mm -hmm. over the shoulder. Uh, you can use the whip uh, to encourage with what we call flagging, just showing the horse the whip, and you must show the whip to the horse before you strike the horse. But, uh, you know, I've ridden in Europe, uh, you know, for since the mid-90s, uh, my first trip to Royal Ascot, and uh, rode a horse for Michael Tabor, and... I finished uh, second in the St. James Palace, mm -hmm. and um, I have received a five-day suspension for rapid succession of the whip. I didn't use, use it too many times, but rapid succession. And I started learning at that point. And by the end of my career and my experience riding in France, in England and Ireland, uh, it made me a better rider. Um, it taught me patience. It taught me to wait as long as I could. Uh, to use the whip for encouragement and I can tell early on whether you know the whip was going to do any good or not if the horse was not running with some ability that I thought there was more left then I wouldn't use it and I, I brought that to America when I won the uh, Breeders Cup Classic on Mucho Macho Man mm -hmm. one of the reasons I got on him I watched his film my good friend Mike Smith had been riding him prior to me and, and it looked like to me he did not like the whip. I talked to Kathy Rippo and I said first time I rode him in the Goodwood Handicap uh, prep race for the Breeders' Cup Classic, I said look I'm not going to use my whip. Uh, I don't think he likes it. I showed it to him and I won the Classic on him without, without using it one time and he won by the shortest of noses and um, you know it taught me a lot of patience and um, anything that can encourage a horse. Let's just say you talk about windy conditions or a, a two-year-old first-time starter at Santa Anita on a big day comes into the stretch and he sees 60,000 people. Mm -hmm. A jockey's mm -hmm. job, what makes the great riders is uh, feeling and sensing something's going to happen well before it happens. That is what we are paid for as professionals. You may not see it on film or watching it live, but me sitting on the horse's back, I'm feeling a lot of things that, that people are not seeing. So true. You're so right. And, and uh, uh, absolutely 100%. And, and you've got to be prepared for that. You've got to know the feeling, uh, you know, how the horse feels right before something might be going to happen, you know, and have that awareness and that sense and, and to not have the whip, the crop, uh, you know, in that particular situation is so dangerous. You know, yeah, I, mean, I personally love Mucho Macho Man, by the way. We talked about him before, and your dog was named after him, I think. 
Yes, she is. She, she is Mucho Macho Girl. Just said that, just said that, that's right. But yeah, she kind of runs the household with uh, three dogs and, and the whole family for that matter. But, um, you know, I, I wanted to make a point that even at show jumping, uh, the Olympic events and stuff, they, they have a riding crop with them as well. Uh, when they're approaching, just a, a little tap on the shoulder. If I'm riding a, a saddle horse in the San Gabriel Mountains, if I have a snake come out in front of me, I would take my cowboy hat off and wave it at my horse to protect myself and protect the horse from going off of the, the side of a cliff. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, and, and it's just a, a, a need of encouragement to keep a horse's attention. The other point I wanted to make, I was asked this morning at Santa Anita from a high up executive, he said, are you the jockey's worst friend right now on your point of view on the whips? And I said, I should be their best fan uh, right now for the fact that they are trying to take the whip completely away yes. uh, from these jockeys. And I think this is a happy medium. Uh, the appearance is, is better for you know, the newcomers uh, to the sport, visually watching it on TV and that sort of thing. So change is coming. And, and um, you know, we've got a lot of animal rights activists out there that have put us in a place that we have to make change or we're not going to be around. And I know that sounds negative, but that's where we're at right now. I absolutely agree with you, Gary. We've got to wrap this segment up, but we're going to ask you to stay with us uh, for this very short break. And we're going to come right back and wrap this up with Hall of Famer Gary Stevens talking a little more about reform and finishing off this uh, about the crops. Stay with us on the Horse Talk Show. We'll be right back. This show is presented by Peterson & Smith Equine Hospital, one of the top equine hospitals in the USA with services including ambulatory, surgery, sports medicine, reproduction, and with doctors on call 24 hours a day. Check them out now at petersonsmith.com. The opinions of the hosts and guests on the host talk show are not necessarily that of Peterson & Smith Equine Hospital. This show is brought to you in part by DAC Vitamins and Minerals of Florida. All horses need a solid immune system, excellent joint support, a healthy gut, and DAC has all the vitamins and minerals they need with the NASC stamp of approval. So like them on Facebook now or go to FeedDAC.com. DAC, it makes a world of difference. Hi, this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to the Horse Talk Show. presented this hour by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa, in the studio with my co-host, Paulette Stout. I'm Louisa Barton, and we have the huge honor of having a Hall of Famer on the phone with us here, uh, Gary Stevens, retired from being a jockey, but still very active uh, in the racehorse world and um, been voicing some opinions. And he made a very good point right before the break was if we don't do something not to be a, uh, a naysayer, nay yeah, being nay. the uh, operative word there, <coughs> is um, there are people out there, there are activists who are very strongly trying to end horse racing uh, and, and definitely calling uh, as much attention as with almost every sport you can think of. There's always some negatives and they're certainly trying to put those in the spotlight. So reform is coming and it's very important. We've been talking about crops. Um, Gary, while we were on break, Paulette, 
yeah. made a very um, a very valid point about legs yeah. or lack of legs. Yeah, jockeys don't have legs, so there's no other way to encourage a horse to go forward without the whip. And well, and, and when you say that's a good point, uh, we do have legs. They're just curled up underneath. <laughs> We're on their back. So it may not look like we have legs. But the great Bill Shoemaker taught me early on in my career. He took me under his wing for some reason. I watched him. He, uh, he was the greatest of all time. And he'd always say, just be a good passenger. Uh, try not to let them know you're on their back if they're performing for you. And, and Bill had a... He had a way about him. He had great hands. He was small, but he could get the toughest horse to relax, and he could get um, the the most unwilling horse to perform with light encouragement. But uh, yeah, our, our legs are are up above uh, their shoulder, and and our knees are are at their wither. So there's no way to give a horse direction with our legs, as in any other rider in any other uh, sport of horse racing. Uh, if that makes sense to you, but uh, we don't have that ability to give a horse a little um, encouragement from a heel uh, to their side or a knee to adjust their direction. Our heels are down, uh, you know, the only part in a race, and especially on a, on a young horse that may see something that spooks them because they can prop, and prop is when they stick their feet in the ground and they go from 40 miles an hour to zero miles an hour, and there's no way to stay on if, if you're not prepared. So that uh, was a great point that you made, Paul. Yes, definitely. Um, talk about um, some of what you're seeing, of course. You mentioned the activists um, that, you know, that we're seeing at the tracks, um, really trying to bring attention to, to anything they can grab onto, really. What do you think about how reform should happen? And do you think it should be just full spectrum across the whole US and that everything needs to be uniform at all tracks, especially for our younger riders who aren't as, an ex as experienced and maybe don't know from jurisdiction to jurisdiction even what the rules are and, and maybe they change quite drastically from one place to the other? And how, what can we do to make all that better? Well, I, I think that we definitely uh, need a, a national governance of, of some sort with unified uh, in the same rules across our 38 uh, state jurisdictions and, and the states that don't uh, adhere to uh, the new reform that is coming, I don't think they should be recognized. And I think we're well on our way right, uh, right now with the Jockey Club. Um, you know, getting on board right now. I don't agree with, with some of their things they're doing, uh, saying that, uh, you know, whips will not be used except for in, in safety, uh, in a safety matter. That's fine, but who's going to decide what was safety yeah. when I'm sensing something's going to happen before it happens? Uh, who do you trust there? So I think the, the international rule, and especially the British rule, comes into play here and, and gives everybody a chance and um, it's for the betterment of the sport right now in a situation we're in and, and uh, you know I could go on and on here we don't have time but the medication rules need to be uh, unilateral international rules as well no race day medication and it needs to happen everywhere uh, for the trainer's sakes for the owner's sakes and for the jockey's sakes uh, and the integrity of, of uh, our sport and to get, get us back on the map as, as a major uh, spectator sport here in America. 
Absolutely. Um, Paulette made a comment earlier on when we were talking, and she said if they take the Lasix away, what will they do about horses that bleed? Well, what they're going to do is the same thing that they do in Australia and the same thing that uh, that is happening uh, in Europe as well. You know, a lot of horses, the horses that breed in bleed in Australia, if they bleed two times uh, visually through the nose, uh, they're ruled off. They're, they're not allowed to race there. So what happens, they, they may have talent. They need Lasix to run on. They come to America, and then all of a sudden they become horses that may be part of our breeding uh, pool. And I think that that's going to help uh, our, our industry as a whole. Uh, these horses that are bleeders. Listen, uh, I've been in this game all of my life. My dad's a horse trainer. And uh, you you breed a bleeder, a horse that's a known bleeder to another bleeder, the baby that's going to come out is going to be a bleeder. I hate saying that, but that yeah. that's what happens. And uh, Todd Pletcher was quoted today in an article I got that he thinks uh, appearance-wise it's the best thing that we can do is no race day medication but horses do bleed and you know it's, if a horse is bleeding they probably shouldn't be running i agree absolutely what do you think about the age of horses do you think that some of the scrutiny and criticism is on the the younger horses racing at two do you have an opinion on starting them later for the for the general public's yeah, I, I actually do, <laughs> and there's some uh, data to uh, back up what I'm about to say, and it's been found that the horses that start earlier uh, and race as two-year-olds, their longevity is is better than horses that start at three, four, and five. If they have not started by the age of three, four, and five, it's, uh, there's data proving that those horses do not start as many times. And I've got to be crazy, but uh, I'm having fun. I love this business and I've invested. I started a partnership, Gary Stevens Racing Club. I've got a yearling with Wesley Ward right now in Florida. I was at his training farm in Miami on uh, a Sunday to watch him. He's got 66 two-year-olds there and they go out in sets of six to nine and to watch what they're doing right now in December, preparing uh, for early, he's, he's got the early horses, that the ones that he thinks are gonna be early and, and the colt that I bought, he is gonna be early and we're hoping for a start uh, in April at Keeneland and take us to Royal Ascot and back here. And he's solid right now. Uh, awesome. He's he's changed a lot from when I bought him in August at the Saratoga sales. But uh, I'm a firm believer, and the earlier they get started in the right way, slow and sure, yep. and you're going to have a horse that lasts. You're right, and there's a lot of research absolutely to back that. And you know, if you if you go to Ascot, let me know. I speak the language. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, I think it's incredible. We love your opinion, and if I could have my way, I would have you and Mike Smith as the um, as the the two chairman or CEO of the uh, of the overall uh, jurisdiction for the whole United States for racing. And I think that would solve a lot of problems. <laughs> you would really wish that on me. I would. <laughs> <laughs> and and Mike, Mike, good friend. Well, I appreciate the yes. vote of confidence. We'll see how this all plays out, but. Uh, I know one thing, I'm here in California right now, and it's uh, the morale is, is down. I mean, we're under a spotlight, and you know what? 
first thing I'm going to do, my next partnership is going to be here in California. I'm going to support California racing and, and I'm going to support wherever I can and uh, stay behind uh, the movement that is happening right now. Absolutely. And we're supporting it here from uh, for you from Ocala, Florida. We're all about uh, keeping it all going and uh, and helping the racing racing industry to thrive and survive and um, be better for the for the public overall. We really appreciate you being on the show with us, Gary. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for your help, your work, and uh, I enjoyed the conversation. Merry Christmas to you and your lovely family. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you guys. Happy holidays. Thank you. Gary Stevens, Hall of Fame jockey. What a wonderful guy he is, and I mean that. Him and Mike yeah. Smith should be in charge of racing all over. He, he's really he's he awesome. Uh, coming back, we have uh, Dr. Tim Lynch from Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. Uh, we have a pre-recorded interview with him, and we're going to be talking about arthritis. Stay with us, and we'll be right back. Our Facebook broadcast sponsor is Larson Farms. The Larson Farms mission is simple, to be the leader in quality and value. Richard, owner of Larson Farms, is committed to a positive attitude, integrity, dedication, quality, and teamwork. Larson Farms is committed to being your supplier of Idaho's finest alfalfa, a complete line of mixed and grass hay. Larson Farms, Idaho's finest alfalfa. This show is brought to you in part by New Millennium Realty. Owner and broker Brian Cox loves this community and wants to help you find your place in the horse capital of the world. Like them on Facebook or find them at allfarmsmatter.com. New Millennium Realty, the future of real estate. This show is sponsored in part by 1K Helmets, certified to ASTM standards, where the perfect synergy of advanced technology meets aesthetically pleasing design wrapped in a package that traditionalists appreciate. Check them out at 1khelmets.com and like them on Facebook. 1K Helmets, where style meets safety. This show is sponsored in part by Ovation Helmets, the lightest and most comfortable helmets on the market today. For hot Florida summers, you can't do better than Ovation. Check them out at EnglishWritingSupply.com or get fitted for a safe, lightweight new helmet at Tack Shack of Ocala. Hi, this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to the Horse Talk Show. Welcome to the Horse Talk Show presented by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. I'm your host, Louisa Barton, and in the studio with me, I have Dr. Tim Lynch from Peterson and Smith. And uh, just a quick funny mention, we covered Stringholt uh, last time, and, uh, and I actually forgot to mention that they've been doing some research on the fact that Botox might be helpful, and that research has been very interesting in reference to the Stringholt. So, you know, wrinkles and Stringholt, interesting. <laughs> you never know what you might hear next. We are going to talk about arthritis, a very unwelcome diagnosis for uh, horses, regardless of their discipline or occupation. Um, certainly something that is a concern to people with older horses, like myself. Uh, I'm going to let uh, Dr. Lynch tell us a little bit about this chronic inflammation. Uh, so arthritis is a cascade of events, uh, be it from injury or use or age, typically. Uh, and what happens is, uh, the unfortunate thing is, once you're born, that's all the cartilage you have in your life. 
uh, in your joints. And so anything that would damage that or turn the tide of um, healing, uh, healing the bone and the joint versus breaking down the joint uh, will lead to osteoarthritis. So osteoarthritis is a combination of not only inflammation in the bone that supports the joint, but also, um, unfortunately, the articular cartilage. The cartilage is um, uh, it's very tough, it's resilient, uh, it allows us to run and our joints glide and we don't grind bone on bone. Uh, so once something happens to the joint uh, that would upset that balance of um, the homeostasis of the joint, more or less, uh, then you have this cascade of events, unfortunately, through um, which try to destroy the joint through inflammation, which is our enemy. Uh, as you can imagine, horses that run fast or twist and turn, uh, again, they can get arthritis um, in any joint, but there's certain joints, mostly the high motion joints, which are like the fetlock, uh, the carpus, uh, and then the stifle, uh, seem to be high motion joints, which seem to be prone to developing osteoarthritis. On the same hand, there's something called low motion joints, typical joints like the passion joint, uh, the, the lower hock joints, seem to be small, low motion joints that just kind of go back and forth, are also prone to a certain type of osteoarthritis, and they can make your horse just as lame. So uh, it becomes important to know the difference, uh, high motion, low motion joint arthritis, because the treatments are different. Um, most of the treatments in horses are to alleviate pain, similar to people. Uh, you want quality of life and mm -hmm. be able to do your job mm -hmm. and get up and walk around, right? right. So, of course, uh, there's many uh, modalities that people try from physical therapy to heat and um, you know, electrostim and things like that. Or then you get into the direct joint treatments themselves, which vary, uh, and or then eventually, unfortunately, knee replacement or joint replacement hip. Uh, so can't do those in the horse. So we try to concentrate on uh, having uh, pain control and then trying to uh, control uh, as best we can inflammation. You're trying to stop this freight train inflammation by using certain drugs in the joints and they can vary uh, depending on if you have a high motion joint or a low motion joint. Lots of steroids in any joint is not good. Uh, we know that, we've proven that years and years. Uh, so, but some steroids in, in either of those joints can be quite helpful and actually protective in a way. They alleviate pain, they, take, they reduce inflammation tremendously, so hopefully the joint can reestablish its normal environment and try to at least limit damage to the cartilage in the joint itself uh, and not uh, try to uh, speed up the process of, of osteoarthritis or destruction of the joint. Mostly what we use in horses is steroids, usually short-acting steroids with short onset and short duration. To some horses get a little longer duration steroid, uh, which you can use more typically in the low motion joints uh, to try to, you know, again, control uh, inflammation. We're not as worried about the low motion joints saving them, uh, but we want to not have the horse be lame or painful. There's lots of other things that have come on the market again in the last five to 10 years. Mm -hmm. uh, hyaluronic acid has been around for 40 years now. Interesting, um, another one that women use on their skin, <laughs> by the way. 
so you can use it in the joints, and it's truly, you make your own hyaluronic acid in your joint. That's kind of the oil of the joint. It's a lubrication and it's a viscoelastic. It makes, lets the joint do what it can do and hopefully save the cartilage. Cartilage is very tough and very um, uh, resilient. Uh, but unfortunately, it has no nerves and has no blood supply. So once it gets damaged, it's really hard to, uh, it won't repair itself. There's a few methods that it tries to, you know, make this repair tissue. And that's the unfortunate problem. Uh, horses are actually a great model for arthritis for humans. Uh, humans have a huge problem with arthritis, right? So HA has been used in combination with steroids or other things. And that is an injection, the hyaluronic yeah, an And how often do they have to have that one? It depends on the on nature the or what joint you're trying. Uh, you try not to inject young horses. Uh, they don't really need it quite, I don't think. Uh, it depends on what they do and what's on their schedule and um, where they're trying to make all their money. Mm -hmm. uh, so lots of times horses will get HA or steroids in their hawks, say, or things like that. But again, it's it's a it's a veterinarian choice of what's uh, best for that joint mm -hmm. and or what's the best for that horse. There's also some other things. PRP has been put in the joint, which is platelet-rich plasma. Mm -hmm. um, Platelet-poor plasma has actually been put in there. There's all sorts of other um, joint uh, compounds now that are coming out, Noltrex. Um, there's Prostride, which is a form of uh, interleukin beta uh, one receptor antagonist, which means it's a lot of it. It has a certain protein in there that'll block the receptors for certain destructive enzymes that really? will that will destroy the joint or destroy cartilage. So we have raised or we take the horse's blood, condition it so it makes this protein, and then you put that back in the joint. You're you're. It's biological warfare is what you're doing and trying to block this. And it's another way of hopefully helping the joint without using steroids. And in that way you can kind of stretch out the steroid treatments. Uh, again, you, do, you know, it depends on the horse. You know, some horses might get their hocks done once a year, twice a year, those types of things. I think it should be more based on lameness mm -hmm. and not so much because it's that time or everybody else in the barn is doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't go to the orthopedic guy and get your knees done just because, you know, it's that time, right? right no. uh, hopefully you'd be lame or you'd be painful <laughs> to do uh, it. Yeah, right. to do it. So, because it's not without risk um, as far as uh, the biggest risks are not working. Infection is a big risk. Again, horses are covered with hair and they live in manure. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, you're poking a hole in the horse. Um, so HA steroids, there's all sorts of these now. Um, stem cells have been tried to try to uh, recreate an environment that uh, they grow cartilage. It's it's almost a, uh, a pipe dream. Uh, it's not been, it's helpful, but it's not, nobody's ever come back with uh, a way to grow cartilage in your body, right, or in your joints. If that was true, we'd, we'd, we, wouldn't have, we wouldn't have arthritis anymore. <laughs> Uh, so it's uh, it's a varied, and it depends on what the horse is doing, all sorts of things that can help control bone inflammation, uh, control the joint environment as best you can. Adequan, uh, which is a polysulfated glycosaminoglycan, it's one of the building blocks of articular cartilage. So you're giving the horse in the muscle um, that building block, uh, and it's been around for probably longer, 40 years, 50 years maybe. Uh, it's been a very useful, helpful uh, drug for the horse. 
oral, any oral uh, supplements are always questionable. Uh, glucosamine seems to be the best in the horse that's been worked out, that once they eat it, it actually truly gets into the joints. So it's a, it's a kind of a way, a multi-front of trying to treat this inflammation uh, and trying to get it under control, trying to manage the horse's pain. Can't forget, you know, non-steroidals like bute and banamine, useful but not in large amounts right. and for very long. Right. Uh, so it's it's always good to be having a horse with good conformation. That's a good place to that's start. That's a good place to start. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, so the joints are relatively normal, normal loads in, uh, in place. And then some horses, I mean, they truly, you know, they need help, especially at, you know, when, depending on what they're doing, their competitions that they're at. Uh, you know, some of those, you know, high. Uh, competition horses need help uh, but you know everything should be taken into consideration what's the best route what's wrong with the horse right you got to have an accurate diagnosis right. and then you can kind of tailor your plan there and trying to hope and limit uh, steroids but there's all sorts of other things that you can put in your toolbox to help the horse out and get over this inflammation and hopefully you know combat the disease really truly is what it is it's it's a, it can be a crippling disease in a lot of horses and people, right? Yes, absolutely. Ever see any young horses with arthritis? Yeah, you, you can. Uh, like the foals that we were talking about before, they get tarsal crush or cuboidal crush. So now they, instead of having normal bones, they're crushed. And so what happens with that? Well, now you got an abnormal joint. They get pretty bad arthritis. Uh, the fortunate thing is a lot of them, it looks terrible on raingrass, but uh, they'll heal and they're, they're solid. Uh, they may not make good athletes, but uh, their joints are now uh, pain-free, right? So it's kind of those things that uh, you always want to make sure that you're doing the best for the horse by picking the right treatment, having the right diagnosis, getting to the right joint, getting it in there, right? And there can be many ways to do that. Not only just injections, but there's all sorts of transdermal things. Uh, Surpass is a, is, a, is a drug that people rub on that's it's basically... Um, uh, a non-steroidal that goes through their skin. Uh, so all those types of things can be kind of used. Uh, people are using laser now. There's several nice lasers out there, cold lasers. Um, there's shockwave, similar. They do help with pain, bone pain. Um, rehab has always been useful. Right. Depends on what the horse is there for. And um, should it go into the water treadmill or should it go into a leg spa, cold? Ice is your best friend, still. Uh, especially after you work and, and right. you know you cool down the joints and things like that so there can be many many ways to try to combat osteoarthritis in the horse dr tim lynch that was amazing it makes me want to be a horse <laughs> makes me want to be a patient at peterson and smith equine hospital too <laughs> not just my horse wow lots of options the best thing you can do uh, of course is get one of their veterinarians uh, dr tim lynch uh, is their expert in that uh, area for sure and to get uh, the veterinarian out there to do an exam and to actually pinpoint the area that is causing the problem, make sure you're treating the right thing. And then of course, you've got all sorts of options, uh, wonderful medical science and research uh, that's gone into being able to make the horse as comfortable as possible, being able to uh, allow the horse to continue with its career as long as possible, and, uh, and obviously have a, a very happy life. I like the rehab and the water treadmill myself, sounds good, uh, like a nice break for the horse and a rest. Uh, thank you, Dr. Lynn. That was really uh, super informative on arthritis in the horse. I'm Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show. This show is brought to you in part by Seminole Feed Stores, family owned since 1934, manufacturing fixed formula horse feeds with mindful monitoring and quality ingredients right here in Ocala in an all natural, non medicated feed mill.
Seminole Feed, simply the world's best and safest feed. Like them on Facebook now or find them at SeminoleFeed.com. This show is brought to you in part by Summit Joint Performance, promoting a healthy, thick synovial fluid, decreasing inflammation in the joints and improving the cushioning properties of the cartilage pads. All age horses can benefit from Summit Joint Performance. This show is brought to you in part by Tack Shack of Ocala, the horse lover's candy store proudly offering customer halters, race tack, whips, blinkers, belts, dog collars and more. Tack Shack of Ocala, one-stop shopping for all your horse needs. Tack Shack of Ocala. Come to the last famous horsey yard sale of the year this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Have a show this weekend? Come on Friday to our preview sale and enjoy 15% off store-wide. You can treat yourself, your horse, and your pets by coming in to find that perfect Christmas gift at our always fun and exciting horsey yard sale. Be sure to place your order early to personalize your gifts with embroidery and engraving. So come to Tack Shack of Ocala this weekend because a great ride starts here. This live stream is sponsored by Larson Farms, Idaho's finest alfalfa. For the best hay all year long, get Larson Farms. From a single bale to a train load, Larson Farms has all the hay you need. Welcome back to the Horse Talk Show. You never heard of a talking horse? Well, listen to this. <laughs> With your host, Louisa Barton. What does it feel like to be in love with a horse? Presented this hour by Palm Chevrolet, your hometown Chevy store. Now, here's your pretty, pretty Louisa Barton. You're fab, you're switched on, you're a bit of old right. Yes. <laughs> This hour presented by Palm Chevrolet, your hometown Chevy experience. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. I'm your host, Louisa Barton. We had a great interview uh, with Gary Stevens. He was just absolutely awesome. I say Gary Stevens for racing commissioner. Uh, I think him and Mike Smith could keep things up. Uh, he's really good. He is really good. He's really well educated and yes, he's raced all over the well world, educated. which really, uh, really helps. Mm -hmm. uh, in the studio with me, I have Paulette Stout, my co-host and special guest. Hayley Price is here with us and we're switching it up to Mustang. She's only 17 years old, lives here in Ocala and has accomplished some incredible things with her Mustangs. We'll be sharing photographs with you as we're talking to her if you're joining us on Facebook. Hayley. Amazing to have you here. You're only 17 years old. When did you get started in horses? Um, I've always been part of or horse been a part of my life. Always. Um, I started out as horseback riding at local um, trail riding places. Um, got started in 4-H and went to show in all disciplines, English, Western, ground classes. Awesome. Um, and your mom obviously encouraged it. Was she a horse person too? She was. She also grew up in horses and okay. used to ride Any everywhere. Any particular breed? Um, so I used to show American Quarter Horses and Paint Horses um, throughout. So we did like the 4-H shows mm -hmm. at the fairgrounds. Um, and now since 2017, I've kind of been into the Mustang world. <laughs> so what, what kind of pulled you from <clears throat> the showing and competing in the disciplines? And what, what first got you to just like fall in love with the Mustang? Um, so I used to just, um, was riding seven days a week, almost five hours a day. and. 
um, showing every weekend. And before I wanted, I didn't want to like lose interest in horses. So before I got like out of interest, I was. I was went, it boring, or you got you just got it too was, much? It was a lot. So handling school, handling mm -hmm. the 4-H clubs, Stress. meetings, everything. Um, I kind of just there was never a time that I could just ride my horse and, and just enjoy, enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. just <laughs> enjoy it. Um, so I went on my weekly weekend feed run, feed store run, and my local Mustang rescue was up there and talked to her, and she had a couple of Mustangs available. And that following Monday, I went up there and met broke horse, broke Mustangs, unbroke Mustangs, and some yearlings. Um, I fell in love with a little bay yearling filly from Nevada, and she's actually not BLM branded. She was. Um, rounded up on a reservation land um, so um, talking to her and getting more information on this filly she was part of a local ma or a makeover that the owner was hosting and so I had three weeks to kind of give her basic ground maneuvers such as loading and loading from a trailer walking forward and so three weeks later I ended up showing her in the competition and wow. I, I still have her today and she'll be five um, this coming oh, year. Good for you. Yeah. Oh my gosh, good that's incredible. You. Yeah. So you've done the, the Mustang makeover and you've also <coughs> done the tip challenge. What is yeah. the difference between the makeover and the tip challenge? So the makeover you are assigned the your horse for the 100 days um, <coughs> and with the tip challenge it's um, an all-in-hand competition for adults and youth and you get to select when you're accepted you get to select your horse and you get to see where they're from their coloring their age and so you get to pick off of a list of what you would like your horse to look like and so wow and what does TIP mean uh, TIP is the trainer incentive program oh. uh, that Mustang Heritage Foundation put together um, you kind of have tip, you have the tip trainers mm -hmm. almost everywhere that they can bring in the Mustang and train it and give all of its basic ground manners to and then they can adopt it out. Um, so it's kind of just a competition just to get your um, ground manners, so walking, trotting forward, side passing, loading and loading from a trailer. The basic thing, I guess, then, is to get them adopted. Yes. Handled enough to get adopted. Yes. Not fall in love and want to keep them, right? <laughs> that yeah. would be my problem. And have potato chips in the field. Yes. yes. You can't just have one. Like, no. You're supposed to adopt them out, but it's it's kind of hard like, when you put all the training into it and you're the first person they touch, and it's kind of hard to let them go to somebody else. Is it really difficult? <laughs> do you feel really attached to them? I do. Um, so I moved up here last year with only three and I have 11 on my property right now and they have all been adopted just this year. Which makes me laugh when you say to a horse person, how many horses do you have? And they go, um, um, yeah, yeah I lost count. Hold on. <laughs> and you, you try to mentally prepare yourself. And so I, um, in January, I adopted a five-year-old mare. I'm like, I'm going to adopt this mare because I'm not going to keep my challenge horse. And then I ended up falling in love with a little baby. <laughs> so I ended up falling in love with her and keeping her. And then just from there, it's like, okay, now this one's going to be a challenge horse. I'm going to, you know, that one's going to be adopted out too. And it's like, no, I really... You know, it's just it's hard once you fall and get attached to them, and they, like I said, the first part you're the first person they trust. So now you so. like the Mustangs over the other breeds? Um, not necessarily. I still, I, I still have my quarter horse and paint that I used to show, um, and I absolutely love them. I can go grab them out in the pasture. Um, but Mustangs, you just you get a clean slate with them. So everything that you taught them is what you what you taught them. So it's, we're going to put some pictures actually up right now if you're watching on Facebook. Um, we're going to put a few up of, of your um, your Mustangs doing some neat things, sitting down and mm -hmm. bowing and uh, and so those will be on the screen uh, coming up here. 
Uh, this is neat. <laughs> he, that, that's Arlo. He is my um, he was my draw for the George Hip Challenge this year. Um, you don't see so many paints, do you? That's lovely. <laughs> this is, I love this one. This that's, is so yeah, cute. That's my uh, makeover horse that I have in training now for the Texas Extreme Mustang makeover that's in January. We need that horse um, downtown on Christmas Eve. That's the horse that I brought to the uh, yeah, Aubrey to Expo. Yeah, the Expo, yeah. <laughs> this I love. <laughs> that's really neat. Yeah, what an amazing color. He's very photogenic. He is. Oh, I love <laughs> this one. <laughs> He's really incredible. He is. You get this relationship and, with them. Yeah, and I mean, he was my toughest Mustang by, by far. So um, what's the first thing you do when you get a, a, a wild or semi-wild Mustang? What's your first few steps to to start building a relationship and bond to get to the point where you can do this? Um, it's a lot of just patience and timing and um, kind of what the horse can handle in the first day or the first week. Um, or the first so, month. Or the first month, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, so like uh, this Pinto gelding, it took me about week four, week five before I could actually just have him reach out to my hand and want to sniff it and like want to be, like want to see me. And then with my um, Texas makeover horse, I was touching him and grooming him on the first day. Um, so it's kind of just patience and sitting in there. Sometimes I'll just take a chair and sit out there and read a book and put some hay in front of my lap or and have them want to come up and eat the hay from in front of me and not be scared. Um, sometimes they'll just come right up to me and just, you know, want to see me and pet me and, you know, you can go ahead and love on me. I, you know, I know what, I know what needs to be done. Um, so it's a lot of just patience and timing and what the horse can handle. And they're all a bit different, I'm sure. Yes, they definitely. They all take different amount of time depending on maybe mares a little different than geldings, maybe stallions a little different than mares, maybe they're all, and even their own individual personalities, I'm sure you find there's differences. Definitely, so like um, in January, um, I went and picked up a five-year-old mare that I wanted for myself, and she was actually um, already being touched and loved on before I could actually just get a touch on my actual makeover horse. Um, so, I mean, age doesn't even, isn't even a factor in how easily they come along. Mm. So you're an incredible young lady. We've only got a couple of minutes left. It's flew by. Um, tell us just uh, really quick what your top of your bucket list is now to accomplish. Um, so going, so I'm going to try and take, attempt to take 2020 off from um, from any makeovers and just kind of do local um, internships. Just because I, going into 2021, I'll be an adult trainer, which means I have to. Uh, be riding my horse in the 100 days for the competitions. Wow. So I want to get as much under my belt as I can from learning how to break them to actually getting um, working with older Mustangs. Um, so I kind of want to do just local internships and see what each person can teach me differently than what I kind of already yeah, know. Just to grow your knowledge and improve mm -hmm. so you can mm -hmm. get better and better so you're ready so for good. So you're saying that you're going on with the Mustangs. I am. Okay. <laughs> going going on on the I, was, I was waiting for that. <laughs> that really, <laughs> this bump, you are a rock star. She had a young Mustang at the expo uh, with a, a, a thousand something plus people. Uh, a lot of traffic and noise going on at a community event here. And wow, I was just absolutely uh, blown away. So impressed uh, with what you've done. Thank and you. You're a wonderful horsewoman and uh, we're looking forward to seeing you do more and more. Haley Price, thanks yeah. for joining us Thank on the you. show. We'll be back in just a few minutes on the Horse Talk Show presented by Palm Chevrolet this hour. Stay with us. 
This show is brought to you in part by Seminole Feed Stores, family owned since 1934, manufacturing fixed formula horse feeds with mindful monitoring and quality ingredients right here in Ocala in an all-natural, non-medicated feed mill. Seminole Feed, simply the world's best and safest feed. Like them on Facebook now or find them at SeminoleFeed.com. This hour of the Horse Talk Show is presented by Palm Chevrolet in Ocala, where the entire team is committed to making your experience in sales and services hassle-free and easier than ever with no games or gimmicks. Come in and visit on Southwest College Road or online at palmchevrolet.com. A second-to-none experience with all the amenities. Palm Chevy, find new roads. This show is brought to you in part by TT Distributors, dedicated to bringing their customers the largest selection of quality horse supplements, products, and various supplies in Florida at affordable prices. Also online at ttdistributors.com. Hi, this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to the Horse Talk Show. Welcome back to the Horse Talk Show, presented this hour by Palm Chevrolet, your hometown Chevy experience. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. I'm Louisa Barton, in the studio with me, Paulette Stout, and we actually have an, an additional interview that um, we did not plan on having this evening. Joining us by phone, I have Megan Knapp. She is friends with um, the lady whose horse was taken from her pasture and slaughtered uh, yesterday and found, I think, I believe today, today. and uh, very, very sad, absolutely heartbreaking. It's, it's hard enough to lose a horse, but to lose a horse this way is absolutely devastating for anybody. So um, we're gonna talk to Megan a little bit about what happened and see if sharing this event um, can help to perhaps locate who did this terrible uh, thing and, and to maybe to help uh, give justice at least uh, in this loss. So uh, Megan, welcome to the Horse Talk Show. Thanks for being with us. Uh, today's been a difficult day for you. Can you tell us a little bit about what has happened? Um, yeah, well, I received a phone call at about 7, 7.30 this morning from Amanda saying that the horse was missing. And, you know, I immediately headed down to help her, you know, look. By the time I had got down here, she had already found where her fence had been cut. Um, so we knew that the horse was gone. We called detectives, obviously, reported it to the sheriff's office. And, um... They came out, they took the report, they did, you know, look at the holes in the fence. Um, after they left, we went and were looking for tracks, tire marks, anything that would, you know, say where the horse headed, went anywhere. And we actually found across the highway another cut in the fence where they had rode the horse. They cut across the road, rode the horse, um north on 471 to um, an area called Jumper Creek. It's just a small creek that goes underneath, you know, the main road. And um, that's where we found the horse. Oh, how terrible. Now, that would lead you to believe that um, this was a, definitely a premeditated because it appears that they had a plan on where to go that they could do oh, what they needed to they do. They knew exactly what they were doing. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, there had been um, sightings of people stopping and feeding the horse right where her fence was cut before. Oh my God. Um, but it was never anything that was thought much about. You know, people stop and feed a horse here or there all the time, you know. 
I don't know if it's anything that's connected to this or not, but, you know, it was definitely something that was thought about. The horse was slaughtered. When you found the horse, what condition was it in? Mm. Oh, it was, um, well, whenever I found her, I, I immediately turned around and prepared Amanda for what she was about to see. Um, I, I initially only saw the shoulder bone um, because they had the horse covered up with cedar branches. Um, whenever I walked up, I knew, you know, I, I mean, I knew it was the horse whenever I saw the shoulder blade, but whenever you got up closer, you could tell they took her neck knee. Megan, Megan, her, Megan, yeah. hold on just one sec for me. Um, I, I just want to say if you have any children listening or anybody that might possibly be, you know, really upset by this, some of this may be a little graphic and, but we do need to get, we need to know what's going on and people need to be aware of how serious this is and how devastating this yes, is to absolutely. horse owners. So mm -hmm. I just want to let you know that if you are, uh, I had a Julie Jesse, a great friend of mine that runs the tax shack is, you know, she's somebody that just, I know she couldn't listen to this. It's hard for all of us, but mm -hmm. um, I just want to give people a heads up up if they're listening yes, just absolutely. maybe maybe if you have your kids listening it might not be the ideal but it time. also shows what kind of people these are yeah it yes. wasn't it was definitely not a pretty scene um would you like me to continue yes yes i just wanted to let people know if they were listening if yeah, they if I they didn't that. want to you know yeah. some people can't and and i understand that so go ahead they um they well they initially they they, they cut her throat um windpipe arteries everything um they uh, took her neck meat, they, you know, skin her down. They left the skin on her belly area, but they did peel it down so that they could access the meat. Um, they took all of her shoulder meat. They took her top line um, on both sides. They took both of her rump, um, both of her hands. Um, it was, it was a pretty, I mean, basically there was, there was a carcass with, with no, you know, viable meat on it. Okay, so this this is something that everybody needs to be aware of because this black market horse meat has been going. Do, this has been happening for quite some time, for years and years, and it's not going to go away. And it seems no. like these bouts of things that'll happen like this, like it was back, I think, in 2010, 2011. Now we're seeing this again, and it's coming. It, it's it's anywhere. I mean, it was Miami Dade. It was they had many many carcasses that were thrown into places, and they they investigated that. But there was people that were caught in some of those in instances. But um, we need to be aware of this. And, and like you said, with people feeding horses, people driving slow, people just casing out the point, they should be reported and be very aware and spread this news to people so that this does not happen and then possibly be able to, to catch these horrific people. That, that and I don't know what other measures can be taken. And one of the things we talked about in the news segment was a lot of flood lighting everywhere. Um, cameras, dogs, yeah, you know, dogs, dogs. Do farm dogs are wonderful, uh, cameras everywhere, you know, so you can record everything because they, uh, you know, the, the social media upheaval when things like this happen is huge. And if we had photos, you know, people might recognize somebody, everybody yep. knows yep. this Everybody's, person they or might people have seen know. somebody yes. walking, they may have seen a trailer, they may have seen a truck, they yes. may have seen these things. Yes. And, and the more you spread the word, the, you know, the chance of being able to find this person and stop this 
because it, it, it could strike again when they say that the meat is going between 7 and $45 a pound. That is a huge range. I mean, I, it's don't, huge. I don't understand time, why there is that. When I knew about it, they were saying that it was going for 20 I mean, and different ethnic groups want horse meat. And, and I'm sure they know it's black market. You know, so I'm sure they know that it, you know, even the people that are consuming it know what's going on. And I don't know if, um, if any kind of electric fencing is more of a deterrent to, you know, because you, you've got to touch it to cut it. I mean, I don't know if there's any, uh, you know, obviously not having a gate, uh, not taking the horse out of a gate, so padlocking the gate, just cutting the fence. So padlocking the gate isn't yeah. going to help if you just can cut through the fence, you know. Um, so that oh. seems like a, you know, uh, um, it, and they're obviously got a plan and they know right. how to enact it to make sure that. Yeah. But the, court, the, the horse community really needs to spread this. Yes. I mean, they really need to talk about it. They really need to share it on social media. Um, this can't keep happening. And I do know, wasn't it a young girl that w rode this horse every day? Yes, the horse the horse actually wasn't owned by Amanda, but she had lived on this farm for seven years. Mm -hmm. um, and the little girl, 14, 15 years old, she rode her daily. I mean, just to get out and piddle around on in the pasture, you know, I mean, it's so just, she it's was really a lot, I mean, and, and unfortunately, there's these places, and I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's butcher shops, I don't know who it is that is buying, I don't know if it's strictly black market, but if there are legitimate butcher shops that are purchasing deboned horse meat, they have to know that this yeah, is not a legitimate absolutely. sale. Absolutely, yes. they know. It's yes. black market. Yes. It's Absolutely. black market. And, but, and you're right. But this horse wasn't one that you, was just put out in the field. This horse was loved and cared for and, and used and and somebody... Yeah, and, and I think that with the bust where they're finding mass graves or carcasses, I, I think that that's why we're finding them um, on site or close to on site mm -hmm. is because then there is no evidence to come back on them. Well, they, th know that they know how they've been caught in the past, so yeah. they know what not to do. Yeah, back, back in 2010, I can't e exactly remember the year, but they actually went into the barns and did it right in the stall. It's absolutely horrendous. Yeah. Megan, we have just one minute left and have to wrap this segment up, but I thank you at this um, last minute notice you were able to jump in and share this on the show because it is relevant and is important. And if you will please pass on from the team here at the Horse Talk Show and myself personally um, to Amanda, to the family and to the girl who rode the horse, how terribly devastated and sad we are for them and our heart and prayers and condolences sincere condolences go out to everybody connected yeah. thank you thank for, you very much thank you, thank for, you jumping for, in. for putting this out there for us we yeah. are going to continue yeah. to share it as much as possible and try to stop it and catch the people doing it thank yeah. you for joining us mm -hmm. thank you We'll be back uh, in just a few minutes on the Horse Talk Show. We're going to have uh, Jessica Lynn with us. I'm going to be talking about hoof problems, abscesses, and the natural, holistic way to make that better for your horse. We'll be back. Very sad segment, uh, but definitely important to share this uh, in the horse community and beyond. We'll be back with you in just a few minutes. Stay with us. This show is brought to you and bought by Horse Boxers USA, the newest and most advanced way to safely transport your horses in style. Horse Boxers USA comes standard with a backup camera, horse cabin camera, and dual fans. 
Visit them at JJ Tax Shop on Highway 40 in Ocala or online at horseboxesusa.com. This show is sponsored in part by All In Removal. Like jockey and horse, shavings delivery and manure removal go together naturally and are the green natural solution too. All In Removal offers a great way to save you money combining the two services of quality pine shavings delivery and manure container rental and removal. Great service, great quality, and the green choice too. Like All In Removal on Facebook now or go to allinremoval.com for more information. This show is brought to you in part by DAC Vitamins and Minerals of Florida. All horses need a solid immune system, excellent joint support, a healthy gut, and DAC has all the vitamins and minerals they need with the NASC stamp of approval. So like them on Facebook now or go to feeddac.com. DAC, it makes a world of difference. This show is sponsored in part by Earthsong Ranch, improving and restoring health since 1998 for the health of your horses, dogs, and cats with natural probiotic-based supplements, herbal dewormers, all-natural fly sprays, joint supplements, plus Earthsong Ranch is a great resource for health information. Find Earthsong Ranch on Facebook or at earthsongranch.com. This show is sponsored in part by Equisin. When visiting the horse capital of the world, you want to stay at a hotel that reminds you of what you love about Ocala, the horses. Stay tuned to this show for announcements about the renovations to be completed fall 2019 at the Equus Inn by following them on Facebook and Instagram at Equus Inn. This show is sponsored in part by Hilton Garden Inn. Downtown Louisville, only five miles from Churchill Downs, Enjoy the two most exciting minutes in sports, plus a hearty breakfast and a mimosa, and let Hilton Garden Inn do the rest. Book for Derby 2020 now! This show is sponsored in part by Innova Wellness Spa, committed to providing the best, most advanced options available in the beauty and wellness for their valued patients. Find them on the web at InnovaWellnessSpa.com or like them on Facebook now to learn more about their non-invasive aesthetic enhancement procedures for the most amazing results. Hi, this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to the Horse Talk Show. Welcome back to the Horse Talk Show, presented this hour by Palm Chevrolet. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. I'm Louisa Barton in the studio with Paulette Stout, my co-host. And uh, we have not reached Jessica Lynn yet uh, from Earthsong Ranch, but uh, we're going to share some details about abscesses and hooves and um, things that you can do to treat thrush. Uh, and from the holistic standpoint, obviously any kind of health problems that you have with your horse, you should always consult with your veterinarian and your farrier on your horse's feet. Um, these recommendations we make are in addition to any recommendations that they make. Um, one of the things that um, we see a lot in the summertime here is a lot of hoof issues like thrush and sometimes abscesses. Now we've gone into our drier time, which is sometimes a bit of a battle because the feet have been soaking wet all summer. Yeah, now and now 
all of a sudden they're dry and brittle. So things change here uh, quite rapidly. And Earth Song Ranch is actually in California, and I don't know what uh, if they have those kind they're of problems. Three, but three hours difference. Uh, uh huh. They are. Um, but no, no horse owner likes to pick up their horse's foot and find that there is thrush. First of all, it's very unpleasant and stinky, and it's uh, not good for the horse at all. Uh, and it can be a never-ending battle in um, in wet climates. One of the things that my farrier has always said is how difficult it is if your horse is turned out 24 hours a day. If your horse comes into a dry stall for 12 hours, um, you know you've actually got 12 hours to kind of dry things up. When you have horses turned out all the time, like mine. It's even more of a battle. So um, remedies uh, are, are wonderful. There's all kinds of different remedies out there that, of course, you can go to the tax store and feed store and buy some of those uh, remedies. A lot of people's viewpoint from the holistic standpoint is that there are caustic chemicals in many of the um, of the thrush treatments. So it's important to remember that as tough as the hoof capsule might seem to be, it's actually 95% protein. Um, so this is the same as like your hair, your skin, and anything that might be susceptible to any exposed Foreign material. Is exactly. Modified hair. Yes. Yes. That's what it is. Exactly. Um, so basically, cooking that surface with caustic chemicals is very hard um, on on horses. So there are some unsafe caustic chemicals that you need to be careful about. Like? Um, some of them formaldehyde, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's in a lot of I remedies. Used, I have used that. Yes, yeah, and, I, and it does work. Yeah, I, I use formaldehyde. <laughs> Unfortunately, some of the things that work aren't all right yeah, for it's you. it's because hoof grows out. Right. It's, and so when it grows out, it that's gets true. turned off. That's true. It does. But initially, it's going to be there. Now, a lot of people use interesting things like bacon grease. Um, axle grease, pine tar, and petroleum-based tar. Bacon grease actually blocks oxygen from the tissues, mm -hmm. um, but the salt also overly hardens the sole and the hoof, which mm -hmm. decreases elasticity and actually increases the likelihood of you having cracks and defects. So the people who jump to that, sometimes that's not um, a good idea. Um, but you are looking for things that have non-caustic ingredients, if possible, and things that don't block oxygen, because oxygen is always really important. Um, you want safe antimicrobial ingredients like tea tree oil, for example, which is a safe one. And you want low levels of iodine because that, again, is not, not good. And I use 7% iodine. Well, and actually, you know, interestingly <laughs> enough, my farrier gave me I a bottle. I am a farrier. Do you know that? No, well, you can do my horse's feet then. 30 um, years. So, so my, my farrier <laughs> gave me a bottle that looks like barbecue sauce. Yeah. And it's in a, like a barbecue sauce bottle, but it's actually his mixture. And he told me it has like yogurt and... Um, I yogurt or yogurt? Yogurt. 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 And it has some other like natural things, but mm -hmm. it works. Mm -hmm. I've been using it on Sonny's thrush that he's had, and, it, and it's really working. Well, you know, it, it, the hoof is, is different throughout the environment. All year it changes. And you can use some of these things, but you got to know how to use them and not overuse them because the, the hoof needs to stay pliable, just like your fingernail. If it's too dry, it cracks. If it's too moist, you get problems. Or, you know, even too moist, you'll get bruising because they only have so much sole depth, unless they're a draft horse and they've got good feet, so they got a little bit more. But, <laughs> yeah, but one thing I do find that farriers don't do, and it's always because the frog is the heart of the foot to actually be against the ground and pump the, the blood up the leg, 
some of them will not touch the frog. And if you have wet conditions and you have slight thrush, you really have to cut all that away. And I find that when you do carve the frog out and you do, you know, take the bars down and give a good soft surface and get down to more of the live tissue, you have less problems. Believe now, what not. do you do if you have thrush, though, in a, in a frog? So the frog, for our non-horse well, listeners, is the, is the V-shaped yes. uh, area of the hoof. And it's um, very spongy. And it is spongy. Now, what do you do if you, if you have thrush and you hit that with a knife, then it's, it it's going to bleed? It will bleed, but you cannot leave a lot of that dead there that, caps, that catches dirt. And plus, thrush is anaerobic without air. So when you expose it to air and you dry it, it kills thrush. So you must So is it better that. to cut it off absolutely. and let it bleed? Uh, yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The blood is not a big deal. There, you know, that's like getting getting hit in the face and the blood that's in your head, you bleed like a stuck hog, so they say. <laughs> but when you do a little bit of a cut on a, on a foot, it's going to bleed like it's, oh my God, it will bleed. I mean, it's like, the, it's the heart of the... So as a farrier, what sort of remedies do you recommend? Do you recommend using the... I think there's a lot of good remedies, but when you have, it just depends on the horse and the environment and how bad or, or what's, you know, like when we have our gypsy vanners and we have all that hair covering, one of the things with them, which is the other extreme, is their frog doesn't shed as well. So when you go to the hairline on the back of the heel, you'll see that a lot of times there'll be, when, it's, when the frog is trying to shed, there'll be a crack there. Well, actually, everything's going up underneath that frog and it's creating thrush underneath the frog. So it's actually internal. Yes, and the frog looks normal. When you go in there and you That's carve that Sunny's out. That's how Sunny's was. Sunny's was internal. Absolutely. It goes because it does not, the frog must shed. And when it's not shedding, that's when it gets underneath and that's when you have problems. You're in, you're and in wet mud. And that's when you can have lameness. Yeah, and, and you must carve that frog away. If you do that, you won't have that problem. Guaranteed. It'll clear up. Yes, it will. And then what do you do if it's really deep? You keep cutting it away. It might make you nervous. Cut it away and treat it. And the other thing that you want to do is when thrush goes in, it gives a big crease and a, a, a big deep hole. Take cotton, stuff it in there so it stays clean, and then put your medication and it keeps the medication right in there. In the, it keeps the dirt out. Rather than it just, you put the medication yeah. on and then stick yes, it in and then the must, horse gets dirty in there right you away. You must really put, um, and, and if it's deep enough, that cotton will stay in there quite some time, even turned out. And then when, you, when you're treating it, you could treat something like that twice a day or three That's times really a day or once advice. a day. Yeah, and you just pull that out and replace it. Replace the cotton. Mm. And what you'll see is as that, as that thrush goes away or dies and the, and the frog is growing out, you'll see it come out and you'll spread out and all that will come back up to surface with good clean tissue. Good advice. 30 years. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know you've been doing feet that long. Yeah, two back surgeries, arthritis, thirty years. Yep. And, and those fancy nails of yours. Yep. <laughs> I don't think I'll catch a man with these hands. One, one of the things to be careful of with those home remedies, as I mentioned before, is anything that um, restricts the amount of oxygen yes. um, to mm -hmm. the tissue, because that mm -hmm. is really important. So, you know, if you're making up a home remedy that you know you feel is is effective and is is working, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just bear in mind that you do need oxygen yeah, because, to be able to get to that area. And you got to watch your coronet band because your moisture comes in from the bottom of the foot and the coronet band. It does not come in through 
the actual horn wall that you see. So the coronet band, for those that don't know, is the area around yeah. the hairline, yeah. around the yes. top of the hoof. Yeah, where the periopal is, yes. and that's where the hoof wall grows down. And the hoof actually is like tubules, so it's like it, it grows down and it's tubules and, and things can go up in there. That's why we get abscesses, because things can actually travel up through the foot. And, and abscesses are terrible to get rid of. Yes. That's and then when you get a bruised foot and you get blood, because if it's bruised, there's blood and you got you got dried blood, you know, not dried, but but old blood in there. And it gives a, a medium for bacteria to grow. And if you have any questions, um, Earth Song Ranch, you can see behind me uh, all natural and herbal products. Uh, Earth Song Ranch has got everything for treatment for EPM um, to uh, wonderful Cushing's products I use on my mm -hmm. horse, mm -hmm. uh, Equinezyme, a number of holistic and uh, And she wonderful. certainly has a lot of um, vitamins and minerals that you actually would be good for the growth of a foot. Yes. Certainly, mm -hmm. absolutely mm -hmm. they are. So you can reach out to Jessica Lynn at Earthsong Ranch at earthsongranch.com uh, is the website and you can also find them on Facebook and follow them there and keep up to date with her. Uh, she's happy to give a consultation on the phone and give some advice and uh, she really has uh, done a lot for my horses. So a great uh, source of information uh, she's, all, she's amazing. She is amazing. <laughs> for all that ails your horse, uh, or even prevention, actually, on the side of before yes. there's a problem. Yes. Wrapping up this segment, and we will be back in just a few minutes to close out the show with our final segment. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the events last weekend uh, and the turnout and success of those. Stay with us on the Horse Talk Show. Just a few minutes, and we'll be back. This show is brought to you in part by Summit Joint Performance, promoting a healthy, thick synovial fluid, decreasing inflammation in the joints and improving the cushioning properties of the cartilage pads. All age horses can benefit from Summit Joint Performance. This show is brought to you in part by Tack Shack of Ocala, the horse lover's candy store proudly offering customer halters, race tack, whips, blinkers, belts, dog collars and more. Tack Shack of Ocala, one-stop shopping for all your horse needs. This show is brought to you in part by TT Distributors, dedicated to bringing their customers the largest selection of quality horse supplements, products and various supplies in Florida at affordable prices, also online at ttdistributors.com. This hour of the Horse Talk Show is presented by Palm Chevrolet in Ocala, where the entire team is committed to making your experience in sales and services hassle-free and easier than ever, with no games or gimmicks. Come in and visit on Southwest College Road or online at palmchevrolet.com. A second-to-none experience with all the amenities. Palm Chevy, find new roads. Hi, this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to the Horse Talk Show. Back on the Horse Talk Show, presented this hour by Palm Chevrolet, your hometown Chevy experience. Thank you to Larson Farms, our broadcast sponsor, Idaho's finest alfalfa. I'm Louisa Barton. In the studio with me, I have my co-host, Paulette Stout. We were talking up hooves a little bit and natural, uh, natural remedies. Somebody asked, are there any natural remedies that you cannot use? There are not any that we know of. Um, Jessica Lynn would definitely be a good person to talk to about that. And you can give her a call, reach out on Facebook or on her website, uh, and she'll be happy to answer those questions for you. Um, 
Oops. Going to. <laughs> that was loud, Tom. <laughs> going to close out the show. We're going to talk a little bit about last weekend. Um, we actually piled up a bunch of events. Um, there yes. was a veterans event actually at Soldiers Freedom Outdoors, um, which I would love to have got to, but there were too many others. Um, it was a very, very busy weekend. Run for the Ribbons was a great success. The Thoroughbred Makeover Show. I love to see the OTTBs mm -hmm. doing a multitude of disciplines. And I think our co host, Rick Wallace got reserve, I think, if I'm correct. Uh, I may be wrong on that. I better check. But I know he was competing and doing very, very well. Um, and um, there was a, a great article on Sunday in um, Eventing Nation. You can like Eventing Nation on Facebook and actually read it. They shared our show and they did an amazing little write-up and I'll find it for you and I'll, uh, I'll read you the funny bit, um, which was actually very good. I was... Um, I was I was really impressed that the uh, Eventing Nation took on a, a very positive look at our at our very first uh, show for the John and Rick show, and I think that that John and Rick did a great job. Um, and then, of course, there was the um, Horses Without Humans production, mm. the Christmas show Spirit of the Horse, which was a lovely show, beautifully done, um, very well uh, put together, and um, amazing horses in very cold weather behaving themselves in. Uh, loud conditions there so yes it was um <laughs> it was a beautiful show it was lovely actually and then we actually closed out the weekend at the uh the gala at golden ocala for um the stirrups and strides organization for therapeutic riding which was lovely and um, raised a lot of money um for the therapeutic riding for the disabled mm. and the veterans so we were very very excited um about that and uh and it was really a wonderful time and we did some bidding on some Yusinta vasquez uh who is the only jockey to have ever beaten secretariat uh he actually beat secretariat three times and he um he rode ruffian and he donated two pictures uh, all in removal very kindly jumped in on the bidding and helped get those numbers up and um, I met a gentleman by the name of Barrett who says he listens to the show every single week so Barrett I hope you're listening <laughs> thank you for bidding against all in removal so that the price went up even higher <laughs> so we actually sold two of your Cinta Vasquez's signed <laughs> photographs for nine hundred dollars so oh, wow that was a wonderful way to raise some extra money for them at the at the end of the uh end of the deal so uh that was really exciting so it was a great weekend overall and um a quick shout out also for the pulse center i was pulsed today um <laughs> i've never been pulsed before but i have to say i'm feeling pretty good so apparently it um it was quite effective i did I did feel like being going to sleep afterwards. It was very relaxing. I imagine if I had one of those at home, I might sleep better at night. Um, so thank you, Jessica, for pulsing me. You can find the Pulse Center uh, online and uh, look them up. It's online? Can, yeah, you can go and get pulsed as well. It is the Pulse Center Ocala. Uh, Jessica's wonderful, wonderful girl I met um, a week ago. What's Interestingly, it called? The Pulse Center. The Pulse The Pulse Center, yes. So, Get that uh, right. Yeah, so uh, that was absolutely wonderful. Um, and uh, still, of course, Horses Without Humans has uh, a lot of horses still for adoption, especially from those um, boneyard horses. So, you know, if you're, if you're looking for a horse, it's a great way. They, they've got a lot of starting training uh, on these horses done there at, uh, at their facility in Bell. How so, many have they gotten? 
I think they had a total of 58, and I believe that they have got quite a lot of them adopted. So, um, and I, the barn, I, the boneyard horses, the boneyard horses were there were 19 of them. And how many is left? Um, I'm not sure, but I know that they got quite a few of them. And I'm actually looking for this eventing nation uh, story for you right now because it's pretty, it's pretty cool what they said about the John and Rick show, uh, and they definitely approved, which was, uh, I thought, a huge compliment um, for. From Eventing Nation because they're one of the biggest mm -hmm. uh, media coverages of eventing. So for them to like it, um, uh, here you go. I found it. It was their Sunday video. Uh, it was pretty neat little um, little write up. I'm going to share with you. Uh, here we go. There have been some pretty epic talk show partnerships in American venting. Who can forget the sort of OK show about horses with Buck and Kyle featuring Buck Davidson and Kyle Carter and also the shenanigans show featuring Sinead Halpin and Hannah Sue Burnett. Now challenging for the throne comes the John and Rick show featuring <laughs> Rick Wallace and John Holling. The two have joined forces with the horse talk show for a monthly show on Facebook the first Wednesday of the month. The show also airs on Saturday on 97.3 The Sky and Radio.com. The acumen of their commentary goes without saying. They're both very sharp, candid and engaged, but I appreciate a little lightness and self-depreciation too. <laughs> the first episode won over my heart with an opening montage, thanks to Tom Schmitz, of Rick's best almost save ever back in 2013 and John's legendary Bromont streaking after oh winning in God. 2012 Insanity in the Middle forever. They then tackle a number of timely topics and chat with guest Max Kokorin, the incoming USEA president, who also has a smart, interesting and horse-first insights to share. The Horse Talk Show Network host Louisa Barton sits in as well, mostly to keep John and Rick on track, with regard to sponsor nods and toss in a nice British accent into the mix. The first episode aired on Wednesday, December 4th. You can re-watch it right here. Be sure to follow The John and Rick Show on Facebook for future episodes. We're here, there'll be a short holiday episode on Wednesday, December 18th, after the USEA annual meeting. No guests for that one, just the three of them sharing some funny stories and such. We are for it. Go eventing. Pretty exciting. Max. She should be a good writer. Cigar Mile. Yes, he did. He won Max. Maximum Security won the Cigar Mile. Oh, cool. And uh, yes, thank you, listener. Who was that from, Tom? Roger Bolt. Roger, thank yeah. you anyway uh, for that comment. Yes, Maximum Security did. And um, actually, I think that Steve Haskin just did a really good write up on how they're going to decide on the Eclipse Awards this year. And it's going to be very interesting because if he had won the Derby and kept the win, uh, who knows, he may have won the Preakness and then maybe we would have had another Triple Crown winner. And then there would have been no question about who was the three year old of the year. Mm. Your so. producer wants you to know it's Robert Bolger, not Roger. Robert. Oh, Robert. Yes. Thank you. Robert Bolger, I, I know Robert and Lisa well. I'm glad they're listening. And yes, go Maximum Security. We do love him. And uh, and he certainly is an incredible horse. And I think Steve Haskins said he may go on like Seattle Slew uh, through his four-year-old year and prove. Uh, they actually, com Steve Hopefully. compared him to Seattle Slew uh, and said that he'd probably go on and have a most phenomenal uh, four-year-old year. So uh, we're definitely rooting for him for that. And uh, we're going to wrap it up. Um, prayers to uh, out to the, the all the people connected to the horse uh, that was taken yesterday.
and uh, and and we're going to give the phone number, don't we? Yeah. Have a yeah. crime number that we can give. We do have a crime. We're number. going to give you the crime number, crime line number. We are trying to raise funds for a reward. There, um, there is a GoFundMe. Uh, Carrie Gross uh, did this on online. There is a GoFundMe account so that they're going to raise money for a reward, and she wants to make a big reward so she can yes. know, catch these people. Yes, so. absolutely. And if you can give us the crime line number, uh, Paulette, and, and again for the safety of your horses, you know, especially if your horses are turned out in a field, you know, think about additional floodlighting. Um, having your dogs out roaming around is is a wonderful idea. Cameras, uh, lots of cameras everywhere, so we can catch pictures. She said um, the crime line is three five two five six nine one six zero zero. That's three five two five six nine. One six zero zero. Very good. We got to wrap it up. Um, please call if you have any leads, if you can help in any way, if you saw anything that night, um, or if there's anybody e even in your circle that you think might be acting suspiciously and could be involved somehow in this, please uh, help where you can. We need to protect our horses. The Horse Talk Show is the voice of the horse for sure. And whether you are in Ocala, Marion County, Florida, the horse capital of the world or not, Happy hosting around until the same time next week.